So, I'm told you guys are going through a relationship series, Relationships 101. And I know that that can bring about different reactions. That could be like, oh, yay, what a fun topic. That could be like, oh, great, what a fun topic, right? There could be different reactions. Um, but what I hope we are able to accomplish today is just what it looks like to be prepared for the next season in life, right? So whether you're single and you're preparing for a courtship relationship or if you're courting and you're getting ready for engagement or you're engaged and you're getting ready for marriage, um, if you're married and you're getting ready for kids, whatever season you find yourself in, there's going to be a next season. And what we're going to look at today is how to prepare for that. So I'll tell you a little bit about myself. As most of you know, my name is Alicia. Um, I've been married now with Adrian 17 years. So looking back, that's amazing. We got married when we were 12. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But we did. But we did meet when I was around that age. Um, but we'll go ahead and pray. We'll look at some scriptures and just three points. It'll be quick, and then hopefully uh, we'll be able to close and have a more interactive time together, which will not be recorded, um, that second part. But let's go ahead and pray. God, I thank you for each and every one of the girls here tonight, Lord. I thank you that you have amazing plans for their lives, God, that your thoughts for them are for good and not for evil, to give them a hope and a future, Lord. And I pray that they would be able to trust you, to trust your thoughts, to trust your plans for their lives, God. That they would be diligent in preparing for them now this precious gift of time that you've given each and every one of um, my sweet sisters here, God. That you would just encourage them, Lord. Strengthen them. Help them to fix their eyes on you, Lord. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. So Joshua was going through a transition in his life, right? He had gone from being Moses' servant, and now he was going to become the leader of the children of Israel. And I don't know about you, but that sounds super daunting to me, right? These were not the easiest of people to lead. They were in the wilderness. God provides bread for them. What do they do? Complain. <laughs> God provides quail for them. What do they do? Complain. Right. God shows them his presence. What do they do? Complain. Right. So now Joshua is getting ready to take charge right, to be the leader. And if you've ever been in charge of something, whether it's a class in VBS or just, you know, tutoring one on one or something like that, you know that that can be difficult, it can be super difficult. So he's facing this transition. And the children of Israel are also facing a transition. They had gotten used to complaining about Moses, but now they had to get used to complaining about Joshua, right? No. In all seriousness, they had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and now they were about to enter their promised land, right? They had to go from depending on God for their daily provisions, right? The soles of their feet, their shoes had not, um, the soles of their shoes had not run out all these years. They didn't know what it was to have to provide certain things for themselves. And now the Lord was going to entrust them with the land after journeying in the wilderness for all these years. So God appears to them. He appears to Joshua and he gives him some commandments. And now Joshua is going to turn around and give some commandments to the people. So we'll just look at verse 11 there in Joshua chapter 1. If you have the New King James Bible like I do, it reads, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provision for yourselves, for within three days you will cross 
over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord God is giving you to possess, which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And again, we find that key word for tonight's message, prepare. Um, as I was getting ready for this, I don't know if any of you guys are big Disney fans, but that whole Be Prepared song from Lion King, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're all going to be traumatized by the end of this night, like like volcanoes going inside of us, be prepared. Oh no, can't do that. Alicia says we have to be prepared. Um, but we'll look more at the, the meaning of the word in the original Hebrew later. But I just wanted to encourage you guys, if you are facing a transition in life, if you sense like the Lord is calling you to more or there's changes coming, to read through the book of Joshua, right? Maybe you just ended a really tough season and you find yourself here tonight seeking the Lord. Go through the book of Joshua. Maybe the Lord has given you some incredible promises and you are fearful, right? You're excited, but you're also fearful because these promises mean something. Maybe they're going to cost you something. Maybe it's, it's something you can't imagine yourself doing. Go through the book of Joshua and the Lord will speak to you about what that looks like. One of my favorite ways to summarize the book of Joshua is, here's your blessing, now go get it, right? Like the Lord had promised them this inheritance, but yet they had to do something about it. They had to go in and take possession of the spiritual life that God had promised them. And the same is true for each and every one of us. Girls, you have promised peace, right? Our world is missing that. Our, our God has promised us hope. Our God has promised us purpose and meaning. All these things are ours. Now go get it. Go take possession of it. One way or another, we are all preparing for the next season. Through the habits we're allowing, the practices we're building, and the disciplines we're following. The same is true vice versa. The habits we're breaking, the practices we're discontinuing, the disciplines we're neglecting, it's all preparation. So whether you're intentional about it or not, you are preparing yourself. The question is, for what are you preparing? Success or failure? But one way or another, what you are doing now is getting you ready for the next season. So how do we do it? How do we prepare for success? How do we prepare well? The only way, ladies, is to do so biblically. It's the only way we can be assured success. Why? Because the Lord promises if you are faithful, you're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And he's going to be with you in all the transitions. This next one that maybe seems so overwhelming or in the one after that. But we have to prepare biblically. So that's what we saw there in Joshua 1. The whole first nine verses God is reminding Joshua the importance of the word. After the death of Moses, beginning in verse 1, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. And he goes on and he says the places, the way he was with Moses, he would be with him. Jumping down to verse 6. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. 
that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. In verse 8, this law of this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Ladies, the only way to prepare for success in the next season is to do so biblically. To not allow this book of the law to depart from your mouth. To meditate in it day and night. So, our three points, right? How we're going to succeed. How we're going to prepare to succeed for the next season. Again, whether you're single, whether you're engaged, whether you're married. Whatever the next season has for you, let's start preparing for it now. The first one is to refocus. We need to refocus. Ask yourself, what is the goal? Right? What is the goal? Well, in the next season, whatever it is you're looking forward to, I pray that your goal is to glorify God. Because you will be guaranteed success. If that is the desire of your heart, if in the next season your desire is, man, I'm going to do everything I can to glorify God. Well, then you're going to start doing that now in this season. You're going to start prioritizing him, serving him. And this goes spiritually and socially. If you look at marriage as something that is intended to glorify God and to bless others. It's going to make every world of difference in that relationship. So you have to remind yourself, what is that goal? Spiritually, socially, glorify God, bless others. And it's hard to have this as a goal and focus. Why? The world is screaming at you that marriage is for you, right? Marriage is you. What do we call wedding day? It's my day, right? That's why you have all these bridezilla shows, right? That's why you have this multi-billion dollar industry that is weddings. Why? Because, hello, it's my day. Right. I get to have my dress and my hair and my makeup. And trust me, those of you that know me, I am a super girly girl. Any excuse to have my hair did and my nails done, I'm there. But that wedding, that marriage is not about me. Right. It's not about that. Just that couple. It's about what the Lord wants to do through them. So if you start having that priority, that priority now, it's going to be that much easier then. If your life's mission right now is to glorify God in your school in your workplace, in your family, right? That priority in your heart will prepare you for that next season. The next thing we need to do is to realize. Realize what? That there's a cost. There's a cost for whatever the next season is, there's a cost involved. We have a tendency to idealize the next season, right? The grass is always greener. But you know what? We need to be careful we don't idealize the next season lest it turn into an idol. The ideal can quickly turn into an idol. It'll start becoming idolizing instead of just idealizing. We think that all our problems are going to go away once I meet that perfect guy. 
once he finally puts a ring on it, right? <laughs> once we finally walk down that aisle, once that little baby is in our arms, once that little baby graduates college, right? Then all of our problems disappear. No, we need to realize that there's a cost. And I could tell you this from personal experience. The things that you struggle with as a human being, as a person in your singlehood, you will struggle with as a human being and as a person in your marriage. Um, for me, it was this idea of loneliness. I don't know if it's because I didn't have any sisters or what it was, but I, I just love hanging out and I love that sense of belonging and connecting with people. So you can imagine, well, I thought I'm getting married. I will never be lonely again, right? Like that's going to be the best, like what other solution is there to that than being married to a person? Like the two become one, done, loneliness solved. No, if you are not satisfied in the Lord, if he is not first and foremost your husband, your best friend, you will quickly see that root of bitterness trying to root itself in your heart. And you're like, well, what do you mean you don't want to talk to me all the time about everything, right? Like, that's not a thing. What do you mean we don't know every song in perfect harmony that we just sing for each other like all the Disney movies show us? That's not a thing? What? That is not right. This is not what I signed up for, right? I signed up for you to take care of my loneliness. And well, sorry, those listening to the recording, I just knocked on the microphone. Um, so we think that the next season is going to take away all of our problems and it's going to fix everything that we are. And those like core hurts, those core needs that we don't realize are there to draw us closer to the Lord. So whatever that struggle is, deal with it with the Lord first. Give it to him. Realize that there's a cost. And the more those things are worked out before the next season, the better it'll be. The better it'll be. Practically speaking, though, write down promises God has given you, right? So um, I know there's a lot of um, just fear that we're being bombarded with through our media, through the way people drive in Miami. It just, it's just surrounding us, this fear. And what does that lead to? A sense of anxiety. So write down God's promises because I'm telling you, if you deal with anxiety now, that's going to seep over into your marriage. Write down the promises God has given you. If you struggle with identity, just not knowing your purpose, not knowing who you are, write down what God says about you because that is true. Those are the things that I would encourage you to do. Write things down. Another thing to do, right, like realizing the cost. Well, if you are in debt, if there are things that are financially an issue, Try to deal with those things as much as you can before the next season. Um, starting with that clean slate, if possible, is the way to go. And I know that's not always the case. I know there's student loans. I know sometimes we're young and we get all those credit cards in the mail, right? When we, when we graduate from high school. But start a budget. Download a free budgeting app, right? Don't pay money for that. Don't get a subscription-based app because, hello, that's how we got into this problem in the first place. Um, but get a budgeting app, right? Find a way that you can keep track of your spending. A lot of things are on um, card or debit, so those are electronic purchases made anyway. Try to realize that cost. Try to get your finances in order because if you struggle with spending now, guess what's going to happen later? You're still going to struggle with spending. And only now you're going to struggle not only with spending, but with hiding it from the person that you love and care about the most in the world, right? Don't bring that into that next season. 
So those are just some practical things I thought of for that one in, in realizing the cost. Um, I think we have time. Yeah, let's turn to the New Testament. We're going to go to the book of Luke. It's the third gospel, the third book in the New Testament. Luke chapter 14. And I'm sorry if I'm going really fast. If you need me to repeat something, you can kind of just put your hand up. I have teacher eyes, so I'll probably like see just you could be like super subtle. No one else is going to know. So Luke chapter 14, we're going to pick up in verse 25. So again, we have so far ways to prepare for the next season. A, refocus, refocus the goal spiritually, socially, glorify God, bless others. Um, I had meant to give you guys some practical ways for, for doing that. Sometimes we think we have to wait for the next season to serve the Lord. But don't serve him now. Sign up to serve somewhere. Um, the fact that you're here Monday nights is awesome. Come Wednesday, come Sunday. Tomorrow we also have ladies. You're welcome to come for that. Um, come to church. Uh, be available to minister to family. And then realize the cost. So in Luke chapter 14, we'll pick up in verse 25. And here Jesus is talking to his disciples, right? The, the multitude just went away. And now he's going to tell them the cost of discipleship. Now, great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Wow. Okay, Jesus. That's intense, right? So actually, I, I misspoke. I, had, I was preparing, and I had seen other ones where he was just talking to the disciples. But this one, he is actually addressing the multitudes. He is telling a whole big group of people, if you do not hate other people in comparison to your love for me, you can't be my disciple. Verse 27, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Least, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Verse 31, or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while, there, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Oof, those are heavy words from our Lord to a great big multitude. He's telling them the cost of discipleship. Ladies, to do things biblically, to succeed, there's going to be a cost. We're going to have to say no to ourselves. Again, in a culture that tells you, hey, but just listen to your heart, you know? No, you're going to have to say no to your heart because a lot of times it's your heart that got you into that mess in the first place. And it's very difficult. It's very difficult, but we must count the cost. We must see that, yes, it's going to be difficult, but, oh, is it worth it? The blessing, the reward, the promise of his presence, the joy, the assurance, all that, and heaven gets thrown into. Ladies, it is worth it. Count the cost. Give him your dreams, your plans, your hopes, your hurts, your fears, your insecurities, 
Give them all to the Lord. He wants them. The last um, in our outline is to remember. Remember you're not in it alone. As you're preparing for this next season, you don't have to, you know, do it all on your own. Remember there's accountability. There is accountability. So you want to seek counsel, right? The Lord has given you this, right? He's given you Monday nights. He's given you people who serve and love you and care about you guys. The other thing I want you guys to remember is to walk in the light. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, to have it on, in the open before the Lord. If you're at home, you're living with your parents, start there. Walk in the light with them. Let them know what's going on, especially if they love the Lord, right? You want to have everything out in the open and in the light with them. And if you don't have someone like that, well, find someone. Again, the servants here, the people that, that love you, that care about you, that love God's word, these are the people that you want to let them know, that you want to seek their counsel. Um, 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, it, it talks about this idea of walking in the light. And um, there's a book I really like. I always recommend it. We did it once for ladies. It's called The Calvary Road. And um, the author does this great job of, of just saying basically anything that happens in darkness is sin. And sin is anything that happens in darkness. If you're hiding it, chances are that it's sin, right? That it's something that isn't blessing God's heart. It's something that's not helping you in your walk with the Lord in your life. It's not something that's helping you to prepare to succeed in the next season. How many friendships have been ruined because of things said behind a person's back, right? How many uh, relationships have gone wrong because someone kept something from the other person? And so as you're getting ready for that next season, yes, you walk in discretion. You're not like telling everybody everything all the time. But there shouldn't be anything hidden in your life, right? Especially from those that are closest to you that love the Lord. Uh, we can turn there. First John, it's towards the end of the Bible. If you see any like second or third John, obviously you went too far. <laughs> also, if you're in Revelations, it's too far. Um, first John chapter one. Does someone want to read that for us nice and loud? Verses five through ten. Okay, go ahead. Thank you so much, Daniela. So again, just to encourage you guys to walk in the light. Maybe you're struggling with like connecting here. And you think, man, I don't really have fellowship. There's not a lot of people that I feel close to. Maybe it's a sign that there's some darkness there. There's something that you're not willing to, to let go of. You're not willing to open up to with the, the leadership here. And like really give that to the Lord. Because it tells us if we're walking in the light, we're promised fellowship, right? So just to encourage you ladies to walk in the light as he is in the light so that fellowship can be there because his blood will cleanse you. In that same book, um, Roy Hasten, again, he just does such a good job. He talks about how sometimes we hide behind um, the sin of like insecurity or shyness or like, no, I'm just a very private person and all these things. And then he puts this little footnote. And he says, you know, some would challenge me and say, no, don't call it sin. Call it uh, anything else, right? Like a personality fault or anything besides sin. And then he says, but here's the problem. If we don't call it sin for what it is, then the blood of Jesus can't cleanse it. 
But if we're able to identify these things as sin, there's actually freedom because we know that there's forgiveness for it. We know that Jesus took that and nailed it to a cross. And now we can be free. Now we can enjoy the fullness of his presence because we were willing to identify it for what it is. (sighs) So refocus. Our goal is to glorify God. Um, What was the second point? I'll ask you guys realize right realize that there's a cost and then the last one remember remember there's accountability you're not alone so we looked at the three points for preparation and then the last thing i wanted us to look at is whatever happened to joshua and the people right they were told to prepare they had three days and boom life was gonna change manna was gonna stop raining down from heaven all of a sudden their shoes were gonna wear out Um, I realized this recently, and I think when we were going through Exodus on Sundays that, man, could you remember that first like adult time that this person is is like looking at their kid and they're like, what do you mean your shoe, like the soles of your shoes went bad, right? Because they have been walking in the wilderness all these 40 years and they're like, what do you mean your shirt has holes in it? Like, why can't you take care of your stuff? My stuff lasted 40 years and I never had holes in it, not realizing that it was God's provision. And I wonder how long it took them to realize like, oh, wait, that was a miracle. It wasn't just because I knew how to take better care of my shoes. But anyway, back to Joshua. Things you think of when you're a mom of boys and you're like, why, why, why do I need to buy stuff for you all the time? (laughs) Back to Joshua. And we'll pick up in chapter three. So did they make it to the promised land? Did they not? Yes, they did. Joshua chapter 3. It tells us in verse 17, not only that they crossed into the promised land, but exactly how they did it. It tells us, Then the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. So this was this raging river. And the priest had to step into it before the waters parted. So those of you that are familiar with the Bible know that when Moses and the children of Israel came to the Red Sea, all Moses had to do was raise his staff and the waters parted and the people were able to cross on dry land. This time, however, the priest had to take the Ark of the Covenant and walk their way through. Maybe the water got ankle deep, maybe got up to their calf, but it wasn't until they were in the middle of the Jordan that the waters parted. So it tells us there in verse 17 that they stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. I love how often this verse uses the word all, right? All the people crossed completely, right? All Israel crossed over. Ladies, God wants it all for you. All his promises for you are sufficient. We have to hold on to them. What I loved about this verse is that that word stood firm. That is the same Hebrew word as the word prepare that we looked at in chapter one. So the same way that the Lord told them, hey, prepare, because in three days you're going to cross into the Jordan. It's that same word firm for prepare. The outline for biblical usage of that Hebrew word means to be firm, be stable, be firm, be stable, be established, be enduring, be established, be enduring, be ready, 
be securely determined. To be directed aright. So we have be enduring, be ready, be securely determined, be directed aright, be fixed aright, be steadfast. What do you notice about all those definitions? What do they start with? With be. Do you realize how much of preparation is your character? It's who you are. It's who you are before the Lord. If you allow the Lord to direct you aright, to fix you aright, to make you steadfast, to make you ready, to make you a woman who endures, to allow you to be firmly established, to be stable, to be securely determined. It even tells us here um, that it's in a moral sense, right? It's not just like a physical direction. It's a moral sense that your character, the core of who you are, to be arranged, to be settled, all these things are passive, right? They're all happening to us. And I love that. I love that idea of the best way that we can prepare is to allow the Lord to prepare us, is to allow him to work in our hearts, right? To work in our thoughts, to work in our strength, in our lives, to be fit for him. If you focus on being a good Christian, on being a good daughter of the Lord, like you're going to be ready for the next season and whatever ups and downs come your way. And then after that, it moves into the more active um, aspects of that verb, more action. To establish, right? So once you're established, then you can establish, you can set up, you can accomplish, you can do, make firm, fix, make ready, prepare, provide, furnish, right? To direct toward, arrange, order. But the, the one I wanted to end with is that the last word in this biblical outline of usage, the last definition is to be restored. To be restored. It's not too late to start preparing well. I don't know everyone's story here. I don't know what this last week, this last year, this last month look like. I don't know if you're thinking, well, maybe it's too late for me. Like I had my chance. I had my chance to prepare, but that's it. You know, I don't know if your heart got broken. I don't know um, if maybe you feel like a promise passed you by, but it's not too late. The Lord wants to restore you. Preparation looks like that. It looks like, okay, we hit our head against the wall and now I'm coming back and I'm ready to be all yours again, Lord. I'm ready for you to direct my paths. I'm ready to trust in you with all of my heart. I'm ready to remember, to realize. I'm ready to refocus and make you my goal again. So with that, we'll pray. I'm going to stop the recording and then we'll move into a more interactive part. Lord, I thank you so much that you love us, God. And even as your promise tells us, God, that there's not one flower that grows, not one sparrow that flies, God, that you are not the one who takes care of it. And Lord, how much more do you value each life, each soul here than that little bird or that little weed out there in the field, God. I pray that that would be enough, that your love would shake us to the very core of who we are, God, and we would surrender to your love, your kindness, your goodness, that, Lord, once we realize that life-altering love, God, we would be able to obey you, whatever the cost, Lord. So again, I thank you for all these girls here. I pray, um, 
God, just that you would allow them to prepare for that next season by just being yours. And it's in your name that I ask these things. Amen.